Hello and welcome back or welcome for the first time to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett and I'm a child therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. And this is a podcast dedicated to children and play therapy coming at those things from a child-centered perspective. And today on the podcast, I want to chat about the purgatorial nature of child therapy. Now, I'll have to apologize because... Every time I try to get into topics like self-awareness or things that are a little bit more straightforward, there's this other part of me that tugs me to go in this direction of talking about things like purgatory, and I think that is because I do think there's a, there's a spiritual element to being a therapist, to helping someone heal emotionally, to helping someone develop and grow and evolve. I think that all of that is internal work, whether we're talking about it as psychotherapy, whether we're talking about it as play therapy, or whether we're talking about it as some kind of spiritual development or evolution or healing, it all goes under this umbrella of what we experience internally. And I can have this fear that we don't talk about it like that enough, that there can be a focus on diagnosis and diagnosis is How you would arrive at a diagnosis is to take a bunch of external behaviors and try to put them into different categories than to name what's happening on the inside. I don't care about that as much, to be honest with you, and not that it's not important. It can be, not that it doesn't have a place. It does, not that it doesn't help us have a deeper understanding of people and to be able to classify them into different groups so that makes it easier to talk about how to treat people who are struggling with similar things like I get it it's it's good from that vantage point but in terms of like what does a session look like every day what are you trying to do when you're working with someone what are you trying to hold in your mind and in your heart as you are sitting with someone and you are investing your time and you are investing your energy into helping that person be whole into helping that person grow and change and not be stuck From where I'm coming from, that takes up about 95% of what we do as therapists, and I want to give it as much time as I can to conceive of things in that way, to try to look at what we're doing from a larger perspective, and part of that would be looking at therapy as purgatory. Now, purgatory refers to sort of limbo place state that's talked about in Christianity, that's talked about in even like Buddhism, but there it's called the bardo. It's part of a lot of different religious traditions throughout a variety of cultures. It's a it's a almost universal concept in that sense. And what it refers to is this middle state between being a person who's alive on the planet Earth and then you die, and then you would go to purgatory before going to heaven or hell or wherever else you would be transited to, depending on your religious beliefs. And what happens in purgatory, without going into too much detail into any one tradition, but if we talk about Buddhism, they refer to it as the bardo, and inside of the bardo you will be confronted with your karma, both from this life and because Buddhism believes in reincarnation, from past incarnations as well of your particular soul and 
it's an uncomfortable place to be confronted with all of your past. In some traditions, let's say like Egyptian religion, there's a or like more ancient Egyptian religion, there's a weighing of the scales. We have Peter at the gates of heaven who has a list of all of the sins of the world and the good deeds of the world. There is a confrontation with yourself that happens in purgatory. That would be a common thread throughout these traditions. Even in, say, like near-death experiences, NDEs, so that would be people who have died and crossed over and then were brought back sometime later and who remember something of that experience. There's a through line there where they talk about how they felt like they were watching their whole life from the perspective of all of the people around them. And the purpose of purgatory is to cleanse all of that from this life so that you can move into heaven or whatever other place you would go in the afterlife, that it provides a person with the opportunity to experience and then shed all of that. But fortunately, if that is what happens after we die, we don't have to wait until death to experience purgatory. We have the opportunity to experience purgatory in therapy. Not that that's the only place where you could have a confrontation with yourself, but it's a pretty great place to do it. And when I'm seeing a child in therapy, it can sometimes feel like we're in their own personal purgatory that if they are having a difficult time connecting with me for some reason or another, if they're feeling aggressive towards me or shy towards me, there's parts of themselves that they have to work through to be able to move to a place of connection. There's things with me they'd have to work through, and that could be interpersonally. If you have a child who's playing the same game over and over again or the same imaginary world they're creating over and over again and that world is full of pain and hopelessness and suffering and whatever else, well, that's, that's what they're bringing in to the sessions. That's what they're bringing in to work through in their own personal purgatory. Play therapy for a child who's doing reasonably well. They're not carrying some weight in with them that they have to work through in sessions. They're more or less comfortable and assured. And it's not that they don't struggle. There'd be things that they struggle with and they would maybe be able to bring those things in with some level of vulnerability. But what we're talking about when it does feel like purgatory is children who are just very clearly carrying something. And children have the freedom to do whatever they want in a child-centered play therapy session. And most of the time, they'll get to the same thing again and again and again. They'll play the same thing again and again and again. They'll have the same struggles with us again and again and again. And then maybe that struggle changes. It does change. Maybe that play changes. It does change and it becomes something else. But there's all this stuff that they need to work through. Hypothetically, our sessions could just be a place of pure joy. And they can be. And it's a beautiful thing when it is that way. And it's a beautiful place to be in with a child when sessions have been hard for whatever reason that they end up getting themselves worked up about something or another where they end up playing something out again that's really sad and painful over and over again and when they have a session that just seems like they are free and they're experiencing some kind of freedom inside of the room that's gold that's beautiful and hypothetically it could be that way for all children all the time 
because they have that freedom in the space, because they have that acceptance in the space, there's not this friction inside of the space necessarily for them to rub against. We're intentionally not creating friction with them, but they find that friction and they find it inside of themselves. And it's important for them to find it inside of themselves. And the reason that it's important for them to find it inside of themselves is that's the purgatorial stuff that they need to work through. That's the stuff, if purgatory is a real place, that they would carry with them into that. And furthermore, that's the stuff inside of them. That's their task to work through. That's their internal friction that they carry around with them all the time into all these different places. Now, it's always good to point out with something like that, that for some children, that's not true. It's very notable to me if a child is, say, having struggles in one environment and not having those same struggles in other environments. Or like if you ever, you know, we have so much on our plate as child therapists as it is. But if you do have the privilege of being able to, say, talk to a child's mother and father and teacher all separately at some point in time, maybe a past therapist, that's a, that's a lot of contact i don't think that that that's say necessary to do but when you do get the opportunity to do that you can can be interesting to just listen to those four people describe the child and if they're describing a similar person with similar struggles then it's like okay we are dealing with the thing that may fit into this kind of purgatorial nature of therapy thing that i'm talking about that's something they're carrying with them into all these different situations if you talk to those four people and they give four very different versions of that child then you know that there's something else that's afoot there's something relational perhaps or more likely there's something with these environments that we should also really be at least aware that there's something about that environment that's not working for the child and the environment is not uh, say accommodating or flexible enough to to work with what the child is bringing in, that there's something between them and the authority figures or between them and the system in general. And in most of those circumstances, the child is the one who is expected to evolve and adapt. Although I would personally much rather have it be the other way around, but I feel like I'm getting a little bit into the weeds here. And what I really want to name, raise up or recenter on is that is the purgatorial nature of therapy. And as a child therapist, I attempt to be grounded in that I want the struggles in the room to be coming from them. I want to create a therapeutic environment that has as little friction in it as possible. I mean, we need basic boundaries, right? Like my physical safety, that's important. Like you can't just like go into my desk and throw all the papers on the floor. Like I... I don't want you to do that. Like, you're going to run into some friction if you're just trying to trash my room, say. But I do try to give children as much freedom as possible and to be as flexible as possible. And I find under those circumstances that children do run into friction, but it's often friction inside of themselves. They And when that's happening, I believe that they start to wrestle with themselves. They start to come into confrontation with themselves. If I'm in this flexible state and I'm also just sort of consistent and accepting and they're finding these places where they hit the boundary and the boundary's got to be firm, right? Like you, you can't, you, there's just things that you can't do. But they often 
if they don't run into that friction with me with the boundary, they'll run into it in the play somehow. We'll start playing something out that's really strict sometimes, if that's the friction that they need. They'll start some scenario where they're like, I'm constantly doing something wrong, and they're turning me into them in some sense. They're, they're projecting that struggle onto me in this scenario, play scenario that I'm spelling out, which has happened to me with a number of children. And then they're inflicting that strictness or whatever that they experience onto me that's either something like an internal strictness with themselves or they're experiencing that strictness externally in their environment. doesn't matter. It's what they're bringing in. And they get to take a look at themselves and relive these scenarios from the perspective of the person they were with, which is what people in those NDEs are talking about. Children recreate the struggles and tensions of their experience in therapy and many times don't play themselves. They play someone else. They have us play themselves. That happens a lot. And this has happened to me a lot with children too. And if you're a play therapist, I'm sure you've experienced this as well. Children will then flip. It's like, okay, now I'm this role and now you're the other role. And we'll, and we'll go back and forth between those roles. A lot of times in those games, it feels like one of those characters is pretty clearly them. The other character is inflicting some tension onto that first character. And they're experiencing both sides of that back and forth in rotation, in the flow, getting a lot more nuance and dynamism with that and then sometimes that play can break through to something else and it's like aha we've broken through that a little bit you've played through that you've experienced that you've gone through this emotional purgatory with this where you're just kind of living in it and maybe it doesn't feel like there's a way out and then ah there is a way out and something has happened there and something really beautiful has happened there and i i don't even really know if i have words for exactly what that is and to be honest, I wouldn't know how to bring that out of a child. I wouldn't know how to structure an activity around that for a child, but I can witness it, and I can support it, and I can make space for it, and there's something mysterious about it. And the beautiful thing is is that I, it certainly seems that with many children, nothing, nothing more needs to be done than that, than to make space for it, than to witness it, than to support it. It can sometimes feel like a natural process, a natural process that anyone would have to go through, that everyone did go through when they were children, and all of the play that we do. I mean, if you're comfortable, I'd like to take a moment to ask you to do it with yourself. I can certainly think of things that I played as a kid and things that I played over and over as a kid, and I, I wouldn't ask you right now to put your like thinking brain on and say like oh what was that that I was playing out and try to concretize it and try to name it but more just to be aware that that's true and be aware of what that thing might have been and what that thing might have felt like and to recognize that whatever that thing is it's uniquely yours what you chose to play out when you were a kid was uniquely yours. The characters in it were yours. The struggles in it were yours. The, the tensions that you built into it were yours. And the feelings in it were yours. And the structure of it was yours. And the scene that you selected was yours. And whether it was animals, it was yours. Or it was people, it was yours. It was all yours. It all came from you. It's all what flowed out of you naturally that would be uniquely yours and not be anyone else's at all.
because everyone's play is different. It's specific. It's complex. It's nuanced. It's complete. It's accessible for many kids that just immediately. It's a whole world to move through that's uniquely yours. And that's every child's and that's every person's. And no one has to look at it as purgatory. I'm not sitting in my chair in a play therapy session thinking, all right, here we go, back into purgatory. It's just, it's a lens. But if there is one thing to take out of this, or that I would hope or want someone to take out of this, it's that everyone's play is uniquely theirs, and everyone's play is the friction that they need to play out to grow and to develop. And being able to make space for that as a play therapist is an art. Supporting it is an art. Accommodating it is an art. It takes us being completely present and somehow completely absent all at the same time. But it's worth doing, and it helps kids. And perhaps the more you get to work through all of that internal stuff in this lifetime, the more you get to have a confrontation with yourself in this lifetime, the easier it'll be when we exit it. And if religions across the world are right about purgatory, maybe that purgatorial period won't be so bad. And that's all I have for this episode of Playtime. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. Go to patreon.com slash playtimepodcast if you would like to support the show, but it is offered in the spirit of the gift and is free like all podcasts. What a beautiful thing, right? To just be able to listen to podcasts on pretty much anything you want, whenever you want, and it's a, it's a free thing. I think it's very cool. Check out byronetchildtherapy.com if you are interested in seeing more of my work, including the four books that are in the Child Centered Children's Book series, the newest one being I Have a Secret, which is made to give the perspective of a child who is holding the secret of abuse to themselves and scared to talk about it yeah be in touch with me if you would like to my email is barnettchildtherapy at gmail.com and yep i'll see you all next time